Well, thanks everybody for the welcome. It's great to be back here. If you don't know me, I am uh, Sam Ward, uh, coming to you from Manchester. I send greetings from the north. If this was the Bible, I would probably send some formal statement on behalf of the Church of Manchester. But uh, I, um, I'm really struggling with my password. Can I just have a minute to concentrate? The guys at the, in, who I work with, who are in IT, make me do the longest password in the world so that some uh, hackers from abroad will not work out the potential combination and uh, then take all my information. There we go. We're on. Wonderful. Great to be with you. Uh, uh, so I live in Manchester. I live in a place called Openshaw on the east, if you don't know. A little bit of my story, let me tell you briefly. 20 years ago, I felt compelled to move into the inner city. I moved from the suburbs into a, a very disadvantaged community. I felt like the Lord was asking me to give my life for the least and the lost and the last. And, um, uh, and, and really, I've been seeking to work out what it looks like to build his church into places and to disciple those on the fringes of our society. Uh, I was, interestingly, I was, I was speaking yesterday to a church, a group of church leaders about how to turn their churches inside out, how to make them more uh, missional. And they gave me this text from Luke 10. And uh, so I, I've got Luke 10 rumbling around my mind. And it says this, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to the harvest field. And that, wor- that word uh, in the Greek, to send out, is the, is the word ekbalo, which I really like. And it means to throw, to chuck, to, uh, to, to drive out, to lob or to cast. Uh, I pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would throw people out into the harvest field. And really, I feel like my life has been that I, the Lord chucked me at the poor, chucked me into a, a, a difficult community where I've really been stuck in the harvest field, working out what it is to serve him. But it's been a great joy. It's been a, a wonder, actually. I've been super grateful for how the Lord has blessed me in some very difficult times and actually trying to see what the Lord is doing all the time and joining in. His mission has is, is, is been incredible. Alongside the difficult and the hardship has come some incredible blessings as well. My area, when I first moved in, was an area blighted by unemployment and poor housing, poor education, poor health care, uh, high levels of crime, which I've experienced. You know, it was only this week that my wife was out running and found uh, a huge blade with some next to some drug paraphernalia, and found that it had been used to break into one of our neighbours' cars. This, uh, it, thankfully, is becoming rarer and rarer, but but still there are signs. This week, my my uh, beloved friend Steve. Um, in fact, this will be the first Sunday that he stays, that he finds himself in prison. He was sent to jail this week for trying to smuggle drugs into prison. That's never a good idea, by the way, however much you might be paid for that. Um, the, <laughs> he was like greeted at the door by a sniffer dog. Uh, hello. And um, so unfortunately, he now has to spend time in prison. Um, but amazingly, I've got some friends working in that prison that can be ministering to him. And I'm praying that the Lord would really capture his heart afresh, that the Lord would use him to uh, win other guys inside that prison to know Jesus. I've got a friend uh, who is leading now a church in Hull and he went into prison having committed some crimes as a youth, had just gotten saved when he was sentenced to a long period in prison 
uh, a former Muslim who had converted to Christianity. And he saw 600 people won for Christ during his stay in prison. It was really the favour of God upon his life that he was found guilty. And uh, uh, God is good. I want to tell you about one of the first people that came to faith in my neighbourhood. It was a guy that I met in our local kebab shop. He lived above it and he worked in it. A guy called Mohammed. Mohammed Mohammedi Rod is his name. First name Mohammed, second name Mohammed. He always hated his name because he was named by Mohammed twice. And uh, he um, uh, stumbled into our church. I recognised him from the shop and I began to share with him in very, very broken English the love of Jesus. And he was so quick to accept Christ. It was, it was incredible. And actually he was the first fruits of a, of a bunch of Iranian men, Farsi-speaking guys, that came to faith through our church. Uh, and he became a great friend of mine. He was deeply fearful that the faith that he had would lead him ultimately uh, um, uh, into danger. And he was worried for his life. He didn't want to return to Iran because he would ultimately face rejection by his family and persecution by his people. And actually, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was true. You know, he'd show me pictures of, of martyrs, you know, in Iran and, and I was like yeah but maybe that's the old days maybe things are alright now but one day while he was walking around Manchester he was um, attacked by a group of men that his family had sent from Iran to give him a message how they found him we don't know but he was badly beaten on the streets of Manchester and so he claimed asylum he wanted to uh, never to return to Iran, claimed to, tried to claim asylum, and for 10 years awaited this asylum claim to, to come through, only to have it rejected. I was given this phone call uh, from Mo, who was in a detention centre in Manchester, saying they're going to send me home. Well, I had to try and find him. You know, he said he was at the airport. Try and find the detention centre. The government do not want you to find detention centres. I searched for ages to try and find him. When I found him, he had with him the crucifix around his neck. His only possession was his Bible and the clothes upon his back. Being sent back to a, a Muslim country, very much a believer in Christ. And I waited to hear information from him. It took a while, it took months, and then this message pops up on my phone saying, I'm alive and well, I've been badly beaten, I've been in and out of jail and I await my sentencing. It wasn't until last week actually, while I was away visiting a church in Copenhagen, I'd just finished preaching in my phone, uh, a message landed in my phone from my friend Mo to say that he'd that morning been shot in both legs by the police for his faith. Deeply, deeply concerning. My heart breaks for Mo. My heart is broken for him. I, I wonder what the future holds. He's now unable to walk. He is uh, captive in his nation. He's desperate to flee to Turkey. I said, if he can get across the border, I'll be waiting in a car. I'll drive him the rest of the way. But he's trapped and unable to leave. I asked him, Mo... Do you still love Jesus? I said to him, Mo, how are you staying strong? And he said to me this, I have no choice. Jesus has saved me. How could I turn my back on him?
In the face of persecution where he may lose his life, I am concerned for the day where I never hear from him again. But this is a man for whom the gospel has taken root in his life and his life has been changed beyond, beyond recognition and is unable to live anything but for Christ. And now do this. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. We, uh, let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think of how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Church, it's time to wake up. Do you know what time it is? Do you know the season in which we live? Do you know that the day is at hand? Today, the first day of Advent, and yes, we remember the coming of the Christ, the arrival of the Messiah, but we wait for a day when our great Messiah will return again. Do you know what time it is? The Messiah was born, the Messiah lived, the Messiah died, the Messiah rose again, and the Messiah is coming back. Christ will return. Do you know the day is almost here? We are in the last day. The moment will soon arrive. Christ and his coming salvation. Yes, salvation has come to us, but salvation will come again, the great and glorious day of our Lord. Are you expectant? Are you waiting? Let Advent remind you of the coming Christ let Advent begin to stir in you an expectation and a desire for the return of our Lord. Are you ready? Are you alert? Are you prepared? And are you waiting? Salvation is at hand. We are at an incredible time in the history of the world. The global church is growing faster than at any other time in history before. Do you know more people will choose Christ today than any other day in history? And you know the great news is tomorrow more people will choose Christ than they did today. Do you know the fastest growing church in the world at the moment is the underground church in Iran, did you know that an estimated 10,000 people will commit their lives to Christ in China today? This is a great and glorious day, but we're asleep because we can't see it, because we can't hear it. We believe it's not happening. You know, the church in China is expected to be the largest church to contain the most Christians anywhere on the planet within the next 10 years. Salvation that comes amidst persecution. Salvation that comes amidst hardship and suffering. And we prayed about it this morning. Lord, bless them. Lord, help them. Lord, sustain them. Give them grace and mercy. I'm convinced that the persecuted church, which is growing faster than anything the UK has probably ever seen, is crying out that the Lord would wake us. 
how amazing and how glorious that the church would grow in such difficulty and hardship. Wake up, church. I'm concerned that the church in the West is still asleep when the day of salvation is just around the corner. Paul writes, wake up from your slumber. The word he uses here for slumber comes from the the Greek word hoopnos. There's your word for the day, hoopnos. Hoopnos means spiritual slumber, a spiritual kind of sleep. A slumber and state that reflects the spiritual conformity to the world. You've kind of been rocked to sleep by the pleasures, the desires of the flesh. We are so full and fat with the things of this world that we find ourselves sleeping by the fire when the world, the world is waiting for salvation, the great and glorious day of the Lord. Hoopnos. Hoopnos is the origin origin of our word Hypnos, uh, hypnosis. Do you understand the, the, the connection there? You know, the same way in which that kind of trance-like state where you hypnotize people, it's almost like the church. The church has been hypnotized in some kind of trance-like state, not fully asleep, but just under the influence. My friend Steve, who I told you about, who will spend this Sunday in prison, uh, travelled with me, he loved to travel with me everywhere, and we, we journeyed down to London. I said, oh, you know, it's a bit of a long way, this guy's got addiction issues. I said, you can come with me as long as you understand that you can't bring heroin with you in my car. And I don't know, therefore, whether he thought he would take as much heroin as possible before he got in my car. I'm not too sure what happened, but we, we went via McDonald's, which was our, our usual routine. We went and picked up like a Big Mac meal each and began the journey down the M6. You know, we didn't even get as far as the M60 and Steve is asleep, slumped in his chair with his Big Mac still in his hand with one bite mark in the, in the burger. We travelled all the way to London. He was still asleep. He slept the whole journey. We got on the inner ring road. We're nearly there to where we're journeying. And then he kind of came round like he just, like he just nodded off and came back. And he, went, and he began just to eat his sandwich where he'd left off. And, you know, we arrived at the church. We sat on the front row and uh, we stood to worship. And Steve was asleep standing up. I could see him kind of like not quite with it. And then I did the talk and he slept all the way through my talk. He came round as we were finishing off a final song. And then he saw the cake table. And he kind of made his way towards the cake table. And the woman said, if there's anything that you'd like, just help yourself. He came out with two carrier bags full of cakes to my car. He got in and said, let's go, Sam, go. I was like, is this like a heist? Like, what is going on? And I said, what are you going to even do with all these cakes? He said, we need something to keep us going on the journey. I'm like, I cannot eat two bags full of cake. But as soon as we hit the inner ring road going north, he fell asleep cake in hand. He slept all the journey home and woke up outside his house, carrying on eating the cake that he'd begun to eat. He represents the church. 
My concern is that the church is slumbering like, like my mate Steve. We stand to worship and sleep. We listen uh, to talks, but we're really just in slumber. Our eyes are closed. We are blinded to reality. We're deceived. You know, the UK has three million kids considered to be living in poverty. You know, the, the, the rate of evangelical Christians in Yorkshire is lower. The percentage is lower than evangelical Christians in Afghanistan. Wake up, church! Wake up. I read an article the other day about this film that's doing the rounds that many Christians are watching at the moment called Sheep Amongst Wolves about the Iranian underground church. I've not watched it, so I can't give you my view on it. But I read this article about it in which it said this. The film cites one Iranian couple that had the opportunity to move to the US, presumably to flee persecution. After living in America for a matter of months, the wife decided she wanted to move back to Iran, telling her surprised husband, there is a satanic lullaby here. All the Christians are sleepy and I'm feeling sleepy. She saw that spiritual sleepiness was a greater threat to her faith than persecution. Wake up, church. Now, I, I, you know, when I read that and I, I read the line Satanic Lullaby, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit weirded out by it. it. It makes me nervous even saying it. It sounds kind of hyper-spiritual. But the point is this, that she saw what was going on in the Western church as a greater threat to her faith than persecution. That there's this sleep that has fallen upon the church in the West. Paul writes about slumber. And I wonder if he has this state in mind. There's certainly an apathy around the church. There's a, a lethargy causing the church in the West to snooze. Wake up, church. The Messiah is coming. The hour is already come. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Are you excited for that? I love my granny, right? My granny was a, a beautiful believer, living her life to serve other people. She was convinced that Christ was coming. Even to the day that she died, she was convinced that the today would be the day. She lived with an anticipation and excitement about the return of her saviour. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let's lay aside the deeds of the nighttime, the carousing, drunkenness, sexual immorality and debauchery and dissension and jealousy. And maybe you say, those are not things I suffer with, Sam. I don't know you well enough, so I'm not going to point any fingers. But let's take off the garments of the night, the stuff that so easily entangles us. And let's put on something far more glorious, far more beautiful, <laughs> described as the armour of light. I like get these visions of something from, from um, the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis style, like this armour that glows in the dark, this glorious shining armour. And Paul then takes us further and takes us on. And he says, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a minute. Take a minute. 
and think on that. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I absolutely love this. What a grace to us. Like, how is it even comparable? Why would you ever choose those garments of the night? Dissension and debauchery when you have this offer, this beautiful offer of the clothes that are Christ Jesus. How incredible and glorious and wondrous. And Paul, if you read his letters, they are consistent. He always talks about laying down and picking up the new. Laying down the old, picking up the new, casting off and putting on, putting to death and receiving life. Something better, something greater. And you know what? As much as I want to like urge people and force people, I can't make people dress in Christ. I can't force people to make that choice. But it's only when we really become aware of what is available to us. It's only when we taste a new affection, we taste a better way that we're willing to put away the deeds of the night. That way may be clothed with the armour of light, clothed with Christ Jesus himself. The day of salvation is coming. The day of Christ's return is close at hand. But we wake to a battle. We're called to put on armour because we wake to a battle. A battle that rages while the church dozes. We must, we, we must wake and dress ourselves with armour. I love how Paul in Ephesians 6 really unpacks this for us. He calls it the armour of God. The armour of light and putting on Christ Jesus is the same as putting on the armour of God. God gives us his armour and it's called his son. From Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, of the night, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, put on the armour of light, put on Christ Jesus, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, fitted feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Can you see that it's Christ Jesus? Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus, who is our righteousness. Dress yourself in his robes of righteousness that he freely gives to you. 
Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus, who is our peace and leaves us his peace. Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus, who gives us his faith. Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus, who is our salvation. Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus, who is the word of God. Wake us, Lord, to your truth. Wake us, Lord, to your truth. When we're so easily deceived, when we're prone to slumber, help us to stand in your truth against the deceit of this world. Wake us, Lord, to your righteousness. When we're so easily caught up in the deeds of darkness, help us to stand in your righteousness in a broken and sinful world. Wake us, Lord, to your peace. When we're so quick to fear, so quick to be anxious, when worry takes hold of us, help us to stand in your peace in a place of chaos and confusion, in a world that doesn't know. Wake us, Lord, to your faith. When the schemes of the evil one cause us to doubt, help us to stand on your faith in a place of disbelief and skepticism. Wake us, Lord, to your salvation, the day of your salvation. May we anticipate it. May we be ready for it. May we say, come, Lord Jesus and truly mean it not because we say it like it's a standardized prayer but we say it because our hearts crave nothing more than to be in the presence of Christ Jesus help us Lord to stand in your salvation oh to be clothed with Christ oh to be dressed as him to wear his loving kindness that others might see his grace upon my frame. To be known as merciful like he is. To display his joy to the world. To be seen as compassionate like he was compassionate upon the broken. To be courageous as he was. Oh, to wear Christ my Lord. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the immortal with the immortal. When the perishable has, clo- has been clothed with the imperishable and the, immor- and the mortal with the immortal, then the saying is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your, is your sting? You know, when we truly wear Christ, when we're like him, when we, we, the mortal, dress ourselves with immortality, we, those who perish, dress ourselves with the imperishable, death has nothing, darkness means little, we await the salvation of our God. Let's wake up, church. Let's wake up to the grace that is made and given for us, a grace that is sufficient. Let us find no desire in the gratification of the sinful flesh, but let us take on the flesh of Christ made so beautifully available for us. Wake up, church. Clothe yourself with Christ. Let's pray.